Yeah, it's a great day. Uh, we had snow in Bowling Green today. We're all hiding somewhere in our own respective living places. Uh, and we're excited to talk some Mac football tonight, everyone. As you know, the Mac season will start on Wednesday. The premier matchup in the Mac this week is the Battle of I-75, at least in our heads. Um, but we will. We are going to go in uh, at least a little bit in depth with each team uh, in the Mid-American Conference today, and then we'll go through our Week 1 matchups, what we like, what we don't like, and who knows? Thank you for joining us here on Sportscaster Live. Uh, if you have any questions for us, go ahead and send them to our Twitter inbox or just put them in the comments right here. We'll get to them as uh, when we can. But we are going to start off with the Bowling Green. Oh, hang on. We're going to start up with the Akron. Do you think that we Zip. should uh, we should talk about what type of expectations we should be throwing in here just to make sure that we're not, you know, kind of just making stuff up? Oh, yeah. Zach, why don't you go ahead and take that? So basically speaking, why we have the information we do, uh, the five of us, we all have been assigned uh, two teams. Seidel and myself have three teams. Um, basically, we're going to be looking at anything that has to do with Mac football this upcoming season. So we're looking at overall expectations for the teams, uh, like bowl eligibility, things to that extent. Of course, uh, the Mac announcing that you only have to play three games. You don't have to win them or lose them. You have to just play three games to be eligible for uh, bowl contention. And any team can be in the bowl season this year, despite your record. Uh, we're looking at win-loss projections. So what uh, your team's final record could be uh, at the end of everything, we're going to give Mac title game predictions. Uh, we'll be talking about some special players, impact players on offense, defense, special teams, whichever the case may be and any notable losses to the NFL, if any, or maybe just graduation. Uh, so we'll be talking a little bit about that. We're going to be going along the lines of how the team is projected this year. Uh, so going from the team that's supposed to do the worst, according to uh, coaches and the media, to the team that's supposed to do the best. And I think we all have our what we're planning on doing, and we're going to go ahead and get right into our first segment, breaking down all 12 teams in the American Conference. And we'll start with uh, the team that has really been the bottom rung or one of the bottom rungs of the MAC for the, really the past decade in the Akron Zips. And Alex Rally, you did the uh, research for this one. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Zips? Well, that I will do. So last year, they were 0-12, which is the worst FBS record in the nation. All other FBS teams at least won one game. And all of Akron games were a blowout, except for 37-29 to loss against UMass, 31-20 to loss against UAB, and a surprising 20-17 to loss versus Miami. But Miami had already clinched the uh, trip to the MAC championship game, so take that into account. And yet, for last season for total points per game, they averaged twelve point six, and the total points on the season were one hundred twenty six. And I, I believe that was the f fewest points scored in Division One football, at least in the FBS level. Definitely the lowest in the MAC. And they they had a few games where they looked like they were going to pull it together, but they just didn't have the personnel. 
Yeah, I watched the Miami game and they had a chance at the end, but they had to like go the whole length of the field and obviously they just couldn't do it. So, so with oh go do you do you want me to go or yeah, you, you go, go ahead, Zach? Hey, partners on the Smith and Seidel show. So basically, so they didn't do all that well last year. Do you expect anything better out of them this coming season? Any better record? Maybe even just a win for the Akron Zips this upcoming season? Well, ESPN has them as 64.5% favorites against Bowling Green in their second last game to the season. They did lose at Bowling Green last year, 35-6, to though. But... I would go with ESPN and say that they will win that game. Okay. Uh, any notable players returning for the Zips this season? Any uh, their quarterback, any big receivers or running back, especially since they're starting so late, you have to imagine the running attack in the Mac is going to be big. Really the most notable player and their best player is Cato Nelson, their senior quarterback. Uh, in 2019, he threw for 128 yards, 1,028 yards, and seven touchdowns. Uh, he's base. He's like a dual threat quarterback, so he's kind of a lesser degree like Lamar Jackson. You have to account for the pass, and he can make plays with his legs as well. For their running attack, uh, uh, really the best runner was Brandon Lee, which is a receiver. So they would give him like end arounds uh, so he could gain yards that way. He led the team within 179 yards. Would, would he be someone you expect to see return and be a big impact uh, over at uh, InfoCision Stadium this season? Well, Cato Nelson would would be the guy that would make an impact. And really, they would need all their runners to step up if they wanted to win some games uh, this season because 179 rushing yards leading the team obviously isn't, isn't very good. And then uh, what about the defense? The defense has really been Akron's Achilles heel over the last decade. Uh, really, the Zips have not had a very stellar defense since I can remember following the Mac. Do, do they have anyone they're expecting to step up and maybe try to turn the tide of the program in Akron? Well, Bubba Arslanian was their top performer. He's a linebacker. He's a junior, so he will be back on the team. And last season, he had he led the team he had two sacks and one first fumble and 51 tackles. So that was he of the players coming back. He led the team in tackles. Josh Ward, the defensive end, uh, led the team with 2.5 sacks. Uh, also, they got interceptions from Sean Featherstone, Jordan Wiley and Demarcus Glover. And they they will play their rivalry, which is, again is one of the better rivalries in uh, the mid major conference in the uh, battle for the wagon wheel uh, against the Kent State Golden Flashes. How do you expect to see them perform in that game? Well, they lost twenty six to three last year, so I expect it to be a replay, a repeat, because 
Kent State's quarterback is very good. And Kent State won a bowl game last year against Utah State. So uh, 26 to 3 would probably be a pretty accurate representation. And just finally, real quick, what are you looking at record wise? They, again, you're only playing one team from the West and you're playing the whole Eastern Division. Are you expecting maybe one win and maybe a surprising somebody else? Or are you expecting about the same going 0 and 6? I would expect 1 and 5. 0 and 6 could be possible because Bowling Green did beat them last year, and that's the only team they're favored against. If you had to pick another win, I would pick their first game against Western Michigan. Uh, just because it's one of the ones where they have a little more percent chance to win, and it's the first game of the season, so everyone is going to be a bit rusty, and maybe they'll start off the game slow, and Akron can take advantage of that. Yeah, especially helpful to be at home, too. Yeah. Well, thank you, Alex, for that. Any final thoughts on the Akron Zips? Not that about covers, though. Okay, well, thank you for that, and... We'll look forward to seeing what happens. Uh, Akron is that team, guys, we've all seen over the last five years or so. They just they can't get any turnaround. They're losing the recruiting battle in the state of Ohio to all the other MAC schools. They're not really going outside of the state of Ohio to recruit. So we'll just have to see how that what sums up there. From there, we'll go over to the West uh, in the Northern Illinois Huskies. They are are projected to finish last in the West, and they're kind of in the same boat the Bowling Green Falcons have been in after having years of a few years of success, a few MAC title game uh, appearances. They've kind of fallen off the rails. And Zach, did you do the prep on this one? I did. I did. So um, the NIU Huskies finished at five and seven last year. Uh, they finished fourth in the conference, but in conference play where it really matters, they finished four and four. So they sat right at 500 as in terms of their conference record, three and two at home, two and five away. Uh, a couple of really just interesting games, just sitting and looking at the schedule lost at Vanderbilt last year, lost at Utah last year, but the big victories that they got were at home and in the Mac. So they won at OU last year. They won at Miami last year. They won versus the University of Akron. Their big one was Toledo when Toledo came into Northern Illinois at uh, on Wednesday, the 13th of November. So overall, it's it's not that bad of a team. You mentioned that Northern Illinois has just not been on the same level of success as they have a couple of years ago. And this typically is a result of coaching, just sometimes not getting the better portions of um of recruiting classes, kind of similar to Alaska or to Akron. I almost said Alaska for some reason. Um, but you, you look at it, it's still a team that is competitive. It's a, it's a team that really can just make a difference. And overall, just looking at the schedule that the Huskies have ahead of them, it's, this is a tough, tough schedule at home versus Buffalo at home versus the Chippewas of central Michigan. Then you have to go at ball state at Western Mish. You finish the year at Eastern Michigan, and then you get a Saturday game at home against the Toledo Rockets. It's a, it's, it's a tough schedule. And yeah, but the Huskies, they have been, their recruiting has picked back up a little bit, especially in the state of Illinois, which Illinois has had a lot more good football players coming out of high school in recent years. Uh, but we'll take a look at who's coming back for them. Who is going to be their big playmaker coming back? 
Well, they say a team starts and ends at the quarterback position. And really, when you look at a team in college, the be- the best of quarterbacks, once they meet the requirement, they typically tend to go on into the NFL, the good ones at least. So like your Trevor Lawrence's, your Justin Fields. Um, we saw Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones in recent years, Tua Tungavailoa, Kyler Murray. Um, but for some, you know, these Mac quarterbacks, these small school quarterbacks, they stay and they try just to build the repertoire um, for the Northern Illinois Huskies. Ross Bowers has come back. Uh, he'll be going into his senior year. Big quarterback, 6'2", 200 pounds from Washington uh, threw for 2,100 yards last year, which isn't all that bad where his problems lied was uh, in the uh, touchdown to interception ratio, seven touchdowns, eight picks last year was sacked 18 times. So it's going to be important for a guy like him to get some, protection in the pocket and be able to throw uh 57.8 completion rating he averaged about seven yards a throw which is not bad at all oh we lost charlie yeah he'll be back he'll, he'll be back okay. eventually yeah um so on the offense uh what about any does he have any weapons what receivers running backs that can run down the field and make the catch like who is going to be around their quarterback well last year their leading receiver was cole tucker a wide receiver but he's gone uh trey harbison the third was their leading rusher had over a thousand yards running but he's gone as well so they're gonna have to rely on a a, a relatively young group of players uh looking at the running back room there's a lot of freshmen um their oldest two players or they have Shaquan Oliver, uh, the senior from North or from Montclair, New Jersey, who I'd imagine is going to get some looks here. But looking at their group from last year, um, Jordan Nettles was around last year. He's back. Uh, Red. He is a junior from Romeoville, Illinois, five nine one eighty seven. Jordan Nettles. Last year, 274 yards, no touchdowns, but he was injured. He is still listed on uh, at least CBS Sports' injury report. So Jordan Nettles is going to be somebody really, really important to get back to this team. And then if you if you look elsewhere for Northern Illinois, um, they typically say that the tight end room is a safety blanket for quarterbacks. So uh, guys like Maximilian Thrower will probably be really, really important for them. Daniel Crawford. Uh, we saw a couple like last year, um, Mitchell Brinkman and Daniel Crawford were among their top three receiving weapons. Daniel Crawford has come back last year. Crawford, 443 yards, uh, two touchdowns. You're going to need to see a little bit more out of a guy like him. Um, but the, the the biggest push is going to be coming from this offensive line. It's very, very young. A lot of freshmen along this offensive line. A couple of seniors, Ben Olsen, Braden Patton are back. Um, and then Cole Webster, a junior. But other than that, a lot of freshmen and a couple of sophomores. And now looking at the defensive side of the ball, where that was a little bit of Northern Illinois' struggles in the games they lost last year. Of course, they were playing against some bigger schools. Uh, but who were they expecting to come back and be that big playmaker on defense? Well, last year it was Mike Kelsey Williams, uh, who I'd imagine is going to be back in – in his really good form, he's back there as a safety, just making sure that he's back. But you you, you look at a, a multitude of players, um, and, and again, it's players that have moved on. 
so, you know, Williams is one of those types of guys that was like that for them. And typically in college, sometimes it's the safeties that make all the difference. So with, with him gone, you're looking at a couple of playmakers and you mentioned that th- this team has started to recruit again. It's a very, very young defense. Vinny Labus, who is their linebacker from Park Ridge, Illinois, is going to be really somebody to, to keep an eye on last year. At 59 total tackles, 24 of those were solo tackles, two sacks, one pass defense, a fumble recovery. He's going to be really the motor of this defense. Any, now, any other- when you talk about when you talk about the defense, I think one big thing that you really didn't mention with Northern Illinois is all those injuries they had, and through those injuries, you did find at the end of the season safety Dylan Thomas. You got people like Dylan Thomas and those new guys coming back. Do you think that the backfield of this defense is really what's going to hold them together this season? Well, the thing that really helps defenses, especially in the case that there was injury last year, is it, it suddenly forces guys who you've never heard of to get an opportunity to play. It's those guys that typically would have been redshirted or maybe just it's kind of like a developmental thing. So um, to put it into kind of like a, a similarity type deal, look at quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, the best one I'll give you, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, He sat for a year behind Alex Smith, wasn't expected to play, played week 17, and ended up shining enough that he got to start the next year. This defense is kind of like that. A lot of the injuries that did occur last year have allowed some of these players to come back. Um, they, They are young. They're rather young. Um, but at the same time, that could be taken to their advantage, just giving them a little bit of time to experience more college football and be in a more interesting atmosphere. Of course, with COVID-19, fan regulations are going to be really big to watch. The MAC announcing that most stadiums are not going to house fans other than close friends and family of players. But we, we await to see what the season ends up doing. Um, the NFL, of course, started off with the... Zach? Zach? Zach, we lost Zach. <laughs> uh, is everyone else here? Roll call. I'm gonna, yeah, I got you. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm going <laughs> to give Zach a phone call. Uh, let's uh, get make sure this is connected to the board first here and... I'll call him and we'll get him in that way. This break is brought to you by whichever internet connection failed Zach Smith. (laughs) And we all know which one it is, but we're not going to uh, say it. So let's see here. Hello. Hey, Zach, you're on the air. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the Wi-Fi decided to, to not want to work here. Um, where did you guys lose me? Uh, I don't know, but I can tell you there's a funny face. You, oh, uh, that's you great. were talking about the uh, injuries and the new players that can come out and how it's going to the, the starters that nobody would expect that could actually end up starting. Gotcha. So first and foremost, I apologize for my Wi-Fi going out. Um, but on the other end of it, when I, I, I was starting to talk about with injuries, you give the opportunity for young guys to get an opportunity to play. This is typically uh, the freshmen, the sophomores of the group. 
Um, it, it, it doesn't really help when you get players who you don't think are ready to play. But at the same time, it's going to give them experience in college football. Um, you, you look at a multitude of different things, and the best example I can give you, look at, look at the NFL with Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs. Uh, Mahomes sat for a year behind Alex Smith, uh, got an opportunity to play after Alex Smith was sat for week 17. Mahomes gave an opportunity to play, and he got to play next, the next season and played perfectly. Baker Mayfield in the NFL wasn't supposed to start, but Tyrod Taylor got hurt, and Baker Mayfield ended up getting a start. It's, it's kind of similar to that with college football, except for the fact with college football, it's a lot more about development. So you mentioned last year players went down with injury, and that's really something that kind of bit Northern Illinois on the foot there. Um, going down the stretch, Northern Illinois really could have used some veteran help on the back. Look at uh, a couple of these last games. They did end up winning a lot, but versus Eastern Michigan on November 19th last year, they gave up 45 points to that offense. You know, Toledo gave up 28 points to them. At Central Michigan, they gave up 48 points to them. So it's going to be really important for this NIU team to establish dominance on that back end. And I think last year, not having some of the veteran help is really going to help this team, you know, with, with the young guys coming in. And from there, we will go to the next team that Zach is covering, and that would be the Eastern Michigan Eagles. You mentioned a little bit about them, but the Eagles, no longer that team that the, the rumor was kids would get, uh, players would decide to go to a Division two or Division three school if the only Division one school that was offering them a scholarship was Eastern Michigan. It's not that way anymore. No, it's, it's, it's really not. And you look at this Eastern Michigan team, they just don't really get a lot of credit because of the fact they're in the Mac West. If this Eastern Mish team was in the Mac East, they would easily be around OU, Kent State, maybe even pushing at Miami and Buffalo, who's supposed to be really, really good this year. Um, Eastern Michigan finished six and seven last year um, in their overall conference record, three and five in the Mac West. And again, this is a team that really, you know, got off to a, a weird start. Mike Glass, who was their starter last year, looked really, really good. And in conversation with Reese Landon, he and I both kind of agreed on this. Glass going down, getting hurt. Preston Hutchinson, who's uh, supposed to be the starter this year. That's who we're all expecting to be there. Um, he, Preston Hutchinson looked good last year. A 75% completion rating, three touchdowns to just one interception. Um but Mike Glass, 3,100 yards last year, 66.3% completion rating, 7.9 uh, passing average. Uh, had an 80-yard bomb last year, but this Eastern Michigan team could be pretty fun to watch this year. And the Eagles, of course, have started getting a lot more stout on defense, uh, almost like a steel wall there. And I only say that because I know their uh, numbers used to have tread plating as the print on the back. Uh, what can you say about their defense and how really that's turned around this Eastern Michigan program? You know, defense wins championships. That's the most common phrase in whatever sport you're covering. Um, whether that be the NFL, the MLB, the NHL, the NBA, defense is typically what you're going to lay your hat on. And when you had a guy last year who was a sideline-to-sideline thumper like Kobe Beltram, who went 
and had 127 tackles last year. You know, that, that really sets the precedent for what you want your defense to accomplish. Um, he, of course, um, Beltram, two sacks last year and no interception, six pass defenses, three forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries. Just overall, a really, really stout guy in that regard. And this, this team doesn't record a lot of sacks. Uh, just 22 sacks, according to ESPN, last year. But it didn't come from one person other than Teron Rush last year, who's on their D-line. Um, Rush is coming back this year. Uh, he is coming back for a senior season, sitting at 6-2. But it, it's really a, a, just an all-around, really, really balanced defense. It's a team that can get tackles. Vince Calhoun last year, the DB, had a great season. And, you know, you, you look at everywhere, top to bottom. It's, it's a very balanced group. When we talk football or volleyball or basketball, you look at the, the difference between ages. If you're a team with a lot of seniors, you're typically a team that's going to be really, really good. Uh, if you're a freshman team, you're young, you're inexperienced. So typically it's like a rebuild year. When you look at this defense, you're looking at a lot of juniors, sophomores, seniors. There's a freshman mixed in there that they're getting a little bit of time to sit and shine. But at the same time, you're in a, in a group that's really going to be able to protect and develop you. Uh, Eastern Michigan, they finished, they're projected to finish fifth in the West this year. So it's not exactly where you want to be, but this is a team that is building and getting ready for later on in their in their time. So where do the Eagles stack up in the Mac West? Well, again, with they're projected to finish east or fifth in the West. Um, Eastern Michigan is hang on, oh, hang on. My Discord came back. Hang on. Do we got do we have Zach on the Discord? Yes. I'm here. Okay. I'm gonna hang up on you, Zach. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Zach, can you still hear us? <laughs> oh, I was muted. I'm back. <laughs> Hello. Um, so Eastern Michigan is, is in a spot where they, they've got a tough schedule themselves. Uh, the thing that's going to be beneficial to them is the fact that they're not going to have to play teams outside of the max. So typically like you're going to see big 10 teams, sec teams, ACC teams take on max schools. Bowling green, for example, is supposed to take on the university of Illinois as well as Ohio state this year. They're going to benefit from that perspective. But that being said, they've got a, a tough group of teams. Uh, Kent state. They have on their lineup here. They went five and three last year in their conference. They've got ball state on their lineup too. And that. That one was tough. They finished four and four in conference last year. Toledo, Central Michigan, Western Michigan, Northern Illinois. Um, when, when I look at this schedule here, um, I, I see Eastern Michigan as potentially a two and four team, potentially speaking, um, maybe against the NIU Huskies, maybe in that one. And then potentially going up against, say, like a Toledo or a Central Michigan and catching them off guard. Um, their best chance, I think, is going to be at home versus NIU to get a win. And then at Ball State week two, Kent State's supposed to be pretty good this year. Ball State right there with them, Central Michigan. But if I had to give them 
something like that. I'd say probably a two and four years what you're looking at for the Eastern Michigan Eagles. I muted uh, myself. I have a quick question for you, Zach, about what you think with Creighton taking over the play calling duties of that offensive coordinator as they did get rid of Aaron Kane. Sorry, I heard the Discord noise and I thought that I left again. <laughs> okay, so you know a, a change in scenery is is interesting, and I I know that he's not a coach, but he's he's a coordinator. Um, when coaches come in, they change the culture. That's why you see a lot of teams professionally and sometimes in collegiate football. Um, when when you got a team and you put in a new coach, you're changing the entire culture of that locker room. You can still have the same players, but you go from a a, a guy who's going to be there for his players to a guy who's going to be like, you need to be better, you need to do this, and I'm going to go talk to the media. It really depends. Coordinators are kind of the same way. You can have the same players in place, but at the same time, it's, it's a whole new culture. It's a whole new rhythm. And with that being said, you know, you, you got to look at the players you've got around you. Mainly Preston Hutchison is who I look at. Um, again, I mentioned it a little earlier. Preston Hutchinson got a little bit of time last year. He finished with a 157.4 quarterback rating, which is pretty good, but he was sacked eight times. Um, what, what I'm looking out for this offense now with the new offensive coordinator is what's the culture going to be? Are you going to be a team that is going to run it down your throat and I'm going to play for every single yard I'm getting? Or am I going to throw this ball down the field, especially with COVID-19 and not having, you know, the fan atmosphere that you do or having that electricity that is typically there for a home team? What's going to be the culture that this new offense takes shape? And that's probably what I would throw out there. A new offensive coordinator is going to lead to new things. So if I had to kind of throw a question in there to, to answer your question with the question, What's the culture going to be like in Eastern Michigan's offense this year? And before we move on, I want to go over to Reese Lannon. Uh, Reese, you grew up near Ypsilanti. I know you probably know a good few Eastern Michigan fans. What are they expecting out of this team this year? I actually know a couple of players on the team. Um, Tristan Hines, who's a uh, true freshman from Milan High School, which is a stone's throw away from EMU's campus. Um I think they're going to surprise a lot of people personally. Um, Hutchison showed last year that he can throw the football twice glass. I can't recall which game it was, but I know for a fact he threw for 357 yards. And obviously losing Mike Glass, who's multi who led the conference in passing last year, is a huge loss for them. But I think Creighton, Chris Creighton is one of the best, our best, not only offensive minds, um, mind with defense, like, in in the small school realm, I think he's one of the best coaches in the country. And I think if they can if they can maybe make a bowl game or something this year with a roster that isn't bad, but they're definitely taking a step back from last year. I think Creighton could be on maybe a lower end, uh, lower end power five school looking to kind of rebuild. I really like what Chris Creighton's done with that program, because like you um, talked about earlier, like a decade ago, they were they were the worst team in the country. They really were. They went 0-12, I believe, in 2010. And it was just a revolving door of coaches there. So I think with Creighton now, they have some stability. And I think having him there is just going to boost whatever they have. 
Creighton's definitely going to be a guy that you can build this team and this culture around for a little bit. He has done really well with how this team is getting coached and how it's getting brought up. And every year, it's just another step forward for this kind of team. Again, Eastern Michigan finished last in the MAC West last year. I don't see that this year. I see them maybe as like a, a fifth overall team, maybe a fourth. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. Um, I think that's definitely their floor. Um, I just think they have they have a they have a pretty solid ceiling to go off of, and it's not like Eastern Michigan's going out like a Mac school. Obviously, isn't going to go out and just dominate recruiting. But Eastern really isn't even dominating recruiting in the Mac. What Creighton's done is he's getting those kids from Detroit, from Lansing, from Flint. Michigan has plenty of high school football talent that's just untapped, that's passed over by Michigan and Michigan State. There's still some left. They're not Ohio, but they have some talent. And Creighton is really getting back and recruiting kids from these schools, and that's just developing a pipeline. Okay. Uh, I think that's going to do it for the Eastern Michigan Eagles. We'll move on now to, I believe, we're at the Bowling Green Falcons, aren't we? Um, you would be correct. correct. Uh, or no. Yeah, you're correct. You're correct. The Bowling Green State University Falcons, uh, which was covered by Jacob Seidel, my good co-host on this, uh, this show here. So I, I guess overall, what are you expecting out of this Bowling Green State University Falcons team this year? Well, I know it's going to be a shortened season playing half the games that Bowling Green normally does and staying in the con or in the Eastern conference or Eastern division uh, with the outlier there being UT, which is like we know just 20 minutes away. Uh, this is a team that could go 500. They could hit a good run. They could hit a good hot streak and maybe finish a bit higher. Uh, but the key there is going to be what is Mac McDonald or Matt McDonald? Uh, he's Scott Loeffler's quarterback. He uh, brought him over from Boston College. He had to sit out last year because of transfer rules but i think if the falcons want to succeed they need to see mcdonald start in all six games bowling green hasn't had a quarterback start in every game since matt johnson in the 2015 season we all know what happened then they won the mac championship yeah consistency is really important the, the next question i have for you this bowling green team last year sat a lot of freshmen a lot of freshmen uh coach leffler uh, really trying to instill a new wave of recruiting for Bowling Green. So do you expect those freshmen to have an, uh, an opportunity this year? And even this past recruiting class, do you expect a lot to come from younger players this year? I do. I do. And uh, I don't have it. I couldn't find it. But I, uh, a reporter from one of the local news outlets here in Northwest Ohio put out the uh, Bowling Green depth chart and where they had Matt McDonald as QB1. But there were also a lot of freshmen either starting or they were going to be the backups. Uh, it's it's going to be a young team. They're going to make mistakes, but Leffler is the coach that I believe that can turn this around and get a lot out of these players. When Bowling Green hired him, uh, Tom Brady, who was with the Patriots at the time, uh, just outside of Boston, said a lot of great things about the Boston College coach. And I think if we see more of an ACC-style offense come in, especially with an ACC-recruited quarterback, this team could be something special. So, yeah. Bowling Green, oh, sorry, Reese, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, I have something to chime into that. Uh, ACC-recruited quarterback, 
A lot of people don't know Matt McDonald uh, was the quarterback at Modern Day, which is a powerhouse in Southern California. JT Daniels, who's at USC, number one recruit in the country, I believe in 2018, um, went there. Um, they've uh, just had a long line. Matt Barkley went there. Matt Weinert before that. They've just had an NFL breeding ground. And um, his senior year, Matt McDonald's senior year, he did not start. He got injured um, his junior – or he did start, rather – didn't start at modern day. His junior year, he got hurt. And then his senior, JT Daniels, came in as, as a freshman in high school and took that job from him. So he transferred to uh, Mission Viejo, maybe? I, I think that's I, I think I'm pronouncing that right. I can't remember, but I I do remember that. Um, but he's going to have a few other guys around him, most notably the dynamic running duo of Andrew Clare and Bryson Denley. Andrew Clare coming off a red shirt for injury last season. Uh He's been in this program. I believe this would be his fifth year as a member of the Falcons. And he has shown he is one of the top running backs in the MAC. And you pair him up with Bryson Denley, another guy who stepped in and really took all the rushing responsibility for the Falcons last year. This rushing game could be a lot, uh, a lot of fun to watch. So Bowling Green takes a, a luck of the draw type deal. Uh, they're going to be starting their season off against the Rockets of Toledo. They do that Wednesday at seven o'clock. That will be nationally broadcasted. Other than that game, they really have a, a tough schedule ahead of them. Kent State, Buffalo, Ohio, the Zips and the Miami Redhawks. What, what do you expect out of this team this year? Do you expect a, a solid, maybe like a three and three type year? Do you expect bowl game projections for the Falcons? What do you think based on their, on their schedule? Oh, I, I have them at either three and three or four and two. I think the Ohio University and the Kent State games are going to be 50-50 toss-ups now that we've had a year of Scott Leffler's offense and his quarterback. I think we're going to see a lot of improvement from the Falcons. Um, I think Miami is going to dominate uh, as well as UB. Those games might start off close, but I think both those teams are too good and they're going to pull away. Um, I'll talk about the Toledo game when we get to that segment since it is the week one game. Uh, Really, I think the only game that they might have in the bag, quote unquote, is the Akron game. But even then, you can't take the zips lightly. Um, But what they need to do to get there, their front seven needs to drastically improve. BG allowed just over 2,900 rushing yards last year, 36 rushing touchdowns. That's that's an insane number in the Mid-American Conference. And then their, their secondary was a bit better. They were doing really well uh, defending the pass, but they just can't allow as many touchdowns. They were out, They were doubled up. Uh, but missed being doubled up by one point, I should say, in the first quarter last season. Uh, Bowling Green scored 71 points all season long in the first quarter, and opponents scored 141. Overall, on the season, they were outscored 463 to 192. That needs to change this year. They need to stop letting teams get out to those early leads, and it, it's all going to start with the rushing defense. Well, a big problem we saw with that offensive line, too, last year was that communication at the beginning of the season. We saw after that Notre Dame game, uh, they switched out the quarterbacks, and that communication definitely improved. That's when we saw those wins. So do you think bringing in this new quarterback 
uh, how uh, how well do you think that communication is still going to be built there? Grant Loy was a really good quarterback uh, for this Falcons team. He's a great team leader. He was able to help show the Falcons what they needed to do. And we saw that especially uh, near the end of that Notre Dame game. Charlie, you and I were there with the uh, Falcon marching band. and We saw uh, they were driving, but Notre Dame's defense was just too much for them to handle. But in the next game against Toledo, they were able to get the first downs when they needed them. They were able to get into the end zone when they had to. Um, I think Matt McDonald being this uh, this really ACC recruited quarterback who transferred out after losing his starting job to a true like to a freshman in high school, uh, I think he would. I think he's the guy, especially leaving a Power Five school to come to a, a Group of Five school just because his QB coach got the head coaching job. I think it's going to help out the Falcons a lot in the communication side. I'd agree. I would agree completely. You, you look at a team last year, their bread and butter was in the run game. So do you think that they continue on with that? I mean, I know you mentioned Bryson Denley and Andrew Clare, but with, with Matt McDonald, a guy coming in who is comfortable with the system that Coach Leffler runs, uh, of course, again, having been with him in Boston College and now being in BG with him, do you expect that rush first attack to keep going where they beat Toledo last year and continue like that? Or do you expect Matt McDonald's going to try to loft this ball out uh, to one of the best tight ends in, in not just in the Mac, but in football and Quentin Morris? Well, it's getting close to winter in Northwest Ohio. We're going to see a lot of strong gusts. We're going to see wind chill. We're going to see cold temperatures and snow, as we saw in the Browns game in Cleveland today, it gets cold in football season in Ohio. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to see um, we're going to see McDonald try to throw the ball more than we saw with Grant Loy last year, but I would imagine you've got arguably the strongest running back in the Mid American Conference in Andrew Clare and Bryson Denley right behind him. Two great running backs. Why move away from what was successful last year? Any final thoughts on the Bowling Green State University Falcons? Uh, Talon's up. Let's see what can happen. I'm really excited for this Wednesday matchup. And Zach, you and I have to watch this one together. We have to. It's going to be so much fun to watch. We'll be talking about it all week going up on our show when our next podcast episode drops Wednesday morning. Uh, It's going to be a a fun overall game to watch. I'm so happy that the Battle of I-75 is going to be nationally televised on ESPNU, uh, 7 o'clock. That's going to be a fun little thing to watch. Um, so do tune in on that. Thanks, Jacob, for coming prepared for that. We go from one Mac East team to another to a team that's projected to finish fourth in the Mac East in the Kent State Golden Flashes. Um, Reese Lannon, who talked a little bit with Eastern Michigan and has, has kind of gone on about this, has, has talked about Kent or has looked into Kent State. So, Reese, what do you expect for the Golden Flashes this year? Well, both teams I'm covering today, um, I believe we'll get we'll get into them later. I'm not going to disclose which team it is. I believe they have the two best quarterbacks in the conference. Um, for Kent State, it's Dustin Crum, who took over last year for Woody Barrett, who is a Auburn transfer, former pretty highly touted recruit. And he took the job and ran with it. He completed over 69% of his passes, and his touchdown to interception ratio was 20 to 2. He really dictated everything. He was also the leading rusher 
on the Golden Flashes last year. Everything goes through Dustin Crum, and he's back here now as a quarterback rating was almost 160. He was very efficient. Um, last year, uh, yards per attempt was very nice as well. He was he averaged eight point four yards of, or eight point four yards an attempt um, to go along with those twenty touchdowns. Um, so their best player is their quarterback, and everything's going to dictate through him. For Kent State last year, they started out like pretty slow. Um, it took they had to win their last three games to make a bowl game, and they did do that. And that was fresh off a three game losing streak. They went over a stretch where they had three pretty tough games. Going to Athens, losing a close one by seven points to Ohio, going to my or having a home game against Miami, losing by a touchdown again, and then going to Toledo and losing by two. So they went on a three game stretch where they lost three games by a combined 16 points. Um, so they had to rally their last three games. They beat a Buffalo team that's fairly solid by, uh, by a field goal, and then they beat Ball State by a field goal, and then to become bowl eligible, they defeated Eastern Michigan. And then they went out to the Frisco Bowl um, at six and six and faced off against the Mountain West uh, Conference, Utah State, and put up over fifty points against them. Um, yep. Offensively, back obviously, Crum was their leading rusher last year. Everything's going to go through Crum in the running game. Um, they do not; their most experienced running back back from last year is Xavier Williams, who ran for three hundred ninety-three yards, averaged over four and a half yards a carry. Um, he kind of split time last year a little bit with Will Matthews, who's now graduated. Matthews got a few more touches than him, but everything's going to go through crumb. Receiving-wise, Isaiah McCoy was their best receiver last year, and he's back. He had a really nice year last year. He averaged 15 yards at catch and had eight touchdowns. Caught 56 passes as well. Um, outside on the receiving corps, besides him, they don't have a ton of experience back. Their uh, next leading receiver in fact, uh, let's that number two on the depth chart, I believe, is Isaac Vance. Um, no, no, uh, Sean Abram, actually, who had eight grabs last year. So a bit of a drop off. Um, and then the offensive line, they're very experienced. They have four upperclassmen, the offensive line. So offensively, I think it's going to be it's a classic Mac team that's going to put the ball in the air. They're going to score a lot of points. Yeah, and so, I saw, uh, I believe it was their first, second win on the season last year uh, when Bowling Green went down to Kent. Uh, Adam Gall and I were on the call for that for the Bowling Green Radio Sports Organization. Zach, I believe you were a board op for that game. I think I was. And I think I was. Crum and Williams. Destroyed Bowling. Yeah, it, it was run at will. If your name's Will, run. Uh, it was... It was rough for the Falcons. I believe it was a uh, thirty-four to seven victory. I think something around there. Sixty-two to twenty. Sixty. I'm thinking of a different game. Sixty-two to twenty. Uh, that was sixty-two to twenty. That was a uh, rough game on top of the press box out there in Kent. Uh, but you could just tell this Kent State team was special. They started up. They played Auburn. They went to overtime against an FCS school and barely squeaked out the win uh, two weeks previous. Uh, but you could tell there was something special in that team from last year. Do you expect that to carry over this year? I think it will. I, they're going to put up points. Dustin Crum is, I, I believe, um, if not the best, he's the second best quarterback in the conference. And his running ability, he's more... 
I don't want to say he's a run first guy, but he's definitely not going to throw the ball if he sees an open lane. He's he's not afraid to run the football, and he's a physical runner. He's not a guy that's just going to run around you. He'll run straight into you. He's like a bowling ball. So I think I think with him at the helm, they will have no problem putting points up. Now, if I may ask you, you mentioned Dustin Crum led his team in rushing yards last year, and of course, being the quarterback, he did a pretty good job, I'd say, uh, passing the ball. Um, the last time that I can really remember a solid dual threat quarterback in college football, the, the first one that pops into my head is Lamar Jackson when he was with Louisville a couple years back. Um, of course, though, he, he was the dual threat guy, but teams were able to key in on him and make Lamar Jackson make mistakes, kind of how he is in the NFL. Do you see the same thing possibly game plan wise for Crum? Do you see people making him throw the ball? You know, I don't think it's his passing. That's the issue. I think um, this year their issue is honestly just lack of experience outside of uh, Isaiah McQueen, the receiving corps. Um, granted, at least I think in the first they play the first game of the year, I believe against who am I thinking of um, they play. Oh, Eastern. They play Eastern Michigan game one. Um, I think Eastern comes out and tries, tries to stack the box against them. And forces him to beat him, and if he can show that he can do that, I think other teams will start to adjust. But there's really not an easy way to adjust because he totaled over 700 rushing yards last year, averaging over four yards a carry as a quarterback. So he's is certainly very dangerous any way you put him. So I, I guess the next thing to ask is what what do you look at win loss wise uh, for this team? Do you see this as a bowl eligible team? I do see this as a bowl eligible team. I know I've said a lot of teams can break out, but I think this is probably the biggest breakout team. Their issue right now is will the defense hold? They were nearly a hundredth last year in scoring defense. Their their defense was beat up a little bit to say the least. Granted, they did play teams such as uh, Auburn and Wisconsin, and but those teams scored over a combined hundred points against them, and that obviously factored a little bit into it but their defense has got to be better. Their strength is their linebacking corps. Actually, they have their two leading tacklers, which is uh, Mandela Lawrence Burke, who's a redshirt senior and Sepeta Phillips, who is a, also a senior, a true senior um, back along with uh, Kashawn Gamble and a uh, three, four alignment. And then they have a new starter who I'm very high on in Matt Harmon, six foot four or six foot five, 240 pounds. He looks to be potentially a good pass rusher in that three, four scheme. Um, in terms of defensive backs, they weren't too bad against the pass last year. Last year, they were one of the worst teams in the, in the country against the run, but against the pass, they weren't horrible. And they returned Elvis Hines, who was their second or uh, their second corner last year. He steps into a bigger role. So I think I think they'll be fine at, in the defensive backfield. My question is the front seven. And another thing to point out is they have a legitimate NFL prospect as a kicker, Matthew Trickett, who's or converted over 85% of his kicks um, in his college career. He's also done punting in a pinch. He, a pinch, he does kickoffs. And I believe it was Ian Ratter. I can't remember exactly whose big board it was, but he was listed as like the third uh, best available kicker for uh, next year's draft. So – we could potentially see an early declare kicker. If I'm not mistaken, he's had a few long field goals in his career at Kent State yes, as well. He's, yeah, he's he's uh, he's by far and away the best kicker in the conference. Um, here, let me 
I believe he hit it from 54. I believe that's his long, but I could be wrong. That might his be long. That is, might be a school record in Kent State as well. I cannot find the long, but I do know this. He's only missed one extra point in his career. Last year, he was 29 of 34 on field goal attempts. Made 29 field goals, which is uh, he's, he made over two a game, well over two a game. In fact, the kick and kick it. And that's in all these games where they Kent State played so many close games last year. And oftentimes he was the difference by and winning by a field or winning by six points. So a solid Kent State team, Golden Flashes, looking to make a run after being bowl eligible and getting that bowl win against Utah State last year. Yeah, I see I see them. On their schedule, I think Akron is a shoe-in. I think Bowling Green is likely a win. I think Eastern Michigan is likely a win. And then they play down the stretch their last three games at Buffalo, at Miami, home against Ohio. So I think there's a good chance they start out 3-0. and And those last three games will really tell you where they finish. Um, they obviously have to go out and win those first three games. But I think they have a solid shot. I think they match up really well against Buffalo. Um I think Buffalo beats them, but it'll be a lot closer of a game than you'd think. I think Miami beats them, and then their last game at home against Ohio, I think, is a true 50-50 toss-up. I see, I see them going at least 3-3 three and three with a ceiling of potentially 5-1. and one. That's good. That's really yeah. good for this Kent State team, for, which has come so far. This Kent State team yeah. is now a force to be reckoned with in the Mid-American Conference. Yeah, it's... it's it's year five of Sean Lewis. Uh, he runs that flash fast offensive attack. And I, Sean Lewis is another guy just like Chris Creighton who could be in line for a bigger job. It's taken him a while. And there were a lot of people who thought he could have got fired at least before last year, but he was really starting to put it all together. They went six and six. They won a bowl game. They had a, won their last four games. And I think this year, with everything being a little different because of COVID-19, I think they have a chance to legitimately surprise some people. Is this the best Golden Flashes team we've seen since Josh Cribbs was under center? No, the Dree Archer team, actually. In 2013, was that? Dree Archer. Got a blank? Yeah. I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, Dre Archer. Dre Archer. Uh, I believe they went. Um, I'll have to figure that out. I know they went. He was the he was the guy who ran the crazy forty yard dash. Oh 2013. yeah, 2013. Dre Archer. Yeah, I think you're right. Or no, it was 2012, actually. 2013, his senior year, he was kind of banged up. But 2012, he had over 2,000 all-purpose yards, over 20 touchdowns. And I, if I uh, – he was in the Heisman conversation that year. Yeah. Uh, it, obviously, it's going to be hard to uh, give that to a Mac player. But he was – the way he was playing, he had numbers certainly worthy of it. Well, thank you, Reese. Any final thoughts on the Golden Flashes? I think that about sums it up. I think this seems I think they have a good I think they have a good floor and they can shoot higher. Okay, from they did go eleven and three in twenty twelve. So Okay. Uh, that would be that would be my expectation. It's the best year since then. 
From there, we'll go on to the Western Michigan Broncos, who last year, they were a good team. They just ran into a lot of competition in the West. I was able to do a little bit of research on this. I saw them play last year against the Bowling Green Falcons in another dismantling uh, when I was on top of the uh, athletic complex at Waldo Stadium in the rain with Hayden Kincaid. Uh, That was a fun game. Freezing cold. Not as cold as when I was down at Miami, but uh, we'll just start out here a little bit. Western Michigan is a middle-of-the-pack team with a favorable second-half schedule. I say that because week one, they will play the Akron Zips, and I see no way Akron scores more than about seven points in this game. Uh, we'll we'll move on. Sorry? I'd agree with that assessment. And, Charlie, I want to talk to you a little bit about this. They'll play uh, Toledo in week two. Um, we'll get to Toledo in a little bit, but I have this one as a close loss to the Rockets, and then they'll play CMU. But these Toledo and Western Michigan, I think, are the most comparable team in the MAC West. Yeah, I mean, both teams have very strong defenses if you look at the backfield of those defenses. Both have those safeties and cornerbacks that have just been, for the past two years, breaking records in both the MAC and the NCAA. Uh, so I think really that game's going to come down to those defenses, uh, especially for Toledo. Like they're still trying to rebuild a little bit of that offense since, especially Kareem Hunt left and that 2017 MAC championship push. And for Western, they're still they're still really fighting. I mean, they're a good team, but I think that it will really come down to those two defenses. From there, they'll go on to play Central Michigan, the defending MAC champions. Uh, and that's a big rivalry game between the Broncos and the Chips. I just, I, it's going to be played close, but Central Michigan's going to pull away. But that's when this, that's when the uh, schedule will help them. They're going to play three straight games against Northern Illinois, Eastern Michigan, and Ball State. And with their redshirt sophomore quarterback Caleb Elby, who was picked as a preseason All Mac, that's going to be. Three big games. We're going to see the Broncos back to a bowl game this season. And a little bit about LB, he's more of a pocket passer, which is not, which is what we've seen Western Michigan kind of go to since uh, PJ Fleck was there in the row the boat era of Broncos football. And he's going to have uh, his senior wideout, uh, Dwayne Eskridge. Uh, is really going to help him out there. I think this passing offense might be one of the better in the MAC, just foreshadowed in the MAC West by Central Michigan. Zach, are you still with us? I think he is. Um, I mean, talking about that defense, though, Jacob, uh, I was just kind of looking through it real quick, and really a name that's stands out to me is Bryce Gardner um, at that safety position and really that backfield of that defense. I think with him and you have, oh, I can't think of his name, but their cornerback, those two really start to build up that Broncos defense. And I was just wondering, like, what do you, like, what other components does this Broncos defense need to fully add in to, uh, to them being successful? 
Well, they lost a few guys up front. I, uh, I'm not going to lie. I had This was kind of a uh, quick thing I had to do this morning. Uh, they've lost a, line, a <laughs> linebacker as well as a uh, defensive lineman. So their run defense is going to be a bit down from what we're used to seeing out of the Broncos. I don't think that's going to bother them that much. Uh, I think they are a very solid defensive team. I think the issue is going to be their offense in the first few, well, oh, pardon me, first few games. Uh, but their best returning running back is Sean Tyler, who last year ran for 390 yards and five touchdowns. But I think you see him as your number one running back. You're going to see that kind of move forward, and uh, we're going to see a bit of a changing of the card, uh, the guard there. That being also, since you were talking about that offense, sorry. Um, the the wide receiver Eskridge, that redshirt senior, he didn't play like at all last year after getting injured. Uh, do you see him starting at all for this offense? Well, from the depth chart I found, which was an unofficial depth chart, he was listed as the number one receiver. Um, I would not be surprised to see him come in with a vengeance and try to just get back to where he was uh he's a very speedy receiver he's a guy that i believe that can be a difference maker in a lot of these close games that's about all i have on western michigan it was really hard to find a lot of information on a few of these teams no one has published any game notes yet even with the season starting in three days and then I think you're going off stats from last year. Yes. And I think a lot of that has to do with COVID-19 and everything as well. There's only so much you can predict for a team when you don't know what the season's going to look like. Um, again, the, every team, I we, I we said it during high school games. We say it during um, when we watch professional games. And now even collegiate athletics, now that Big Ten is back, the Pac-12 will be back this week. You know, you sit there and you say every game you have to take is a gift. Every single game you have to take is a gift because you never know when it's going to be gone. And I I think I talked about it in an article that was posted on BG Falcon Media's website, uh, as well as one that Hayden Kincaid posted on there. But in, in a season where you have no idea that you didn't you didn't know it was it was going to get played, you have no idea whether or not the season's going to make it all the way through. This is a, a season where you have to take everything and accept and appreciate every single game. And I think that's the reason why it's so tough to predict everything going on in the Mac right now. I mean, we're doing our best to sit here and predict everything going on, but I, I don't know. Not with, with, with this season and the way it's going, we'll see how it ends up. And that, that does make this a little bit tough. But like I said, Western Michigan is that middle-of-the-pack team that I think can make a move in the West. We're back. Stream this in. Welcome back, everybody, to take three of a live stream. We got through take one pretty well. Heading uh, on our numero dos. Yeah. Well... Welcome back to the Mac Preview Show presented to you by the Smith and Seidel Show, the Bowling Green Radio Sports Organization, and the Bowling Green Falcon Media, all working together and on this group. We just got through Ball State, 
on our little bit of coverage. Zach Smith, Jacob Seidel down to the bottom right. If all of our screens are still are, are they? They're all the same, yeah. They should be. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Jacob Seidel down in the bottom right, my co-host for the Smith and Seidel show. We're joined by Reese Lannon, Alexander Rowley, who's up in the top right, and Charlie Ryan, who I think we have over the phone right now. No, we do not no? right now. Well, Charlie Ryan is having a bit well, of technical tell difficulties, me, can, but can you hear this? If I let's just try this. Can you hear that? Yes, a little bit. Kind of. It's very soft. Um, anyway, um, well, well, we've got everybody. We'll get Charlie back in here. Um, but we left off on the Ohio University Bobcats before um, Seidel's internet died. Uh, so, uh, Seidel, what can you tell us about this OU Bobcats team? Well, here's the thing about the OU Bobcats. Did it stay? Are we still going? We're yeah, still go. going. Keep going, man. Okay, good. I just ma- wanted to make sure. Head coach Frank Solich always has a team that can compete in Ath- Athens. I had the opportunity to interview him a few years ago, uh, along with a few other teams uh, in that, or a few of his players at the Mid-American Conference Media Day. And he's a, uh, a really great guy. Uh, and he knows how to coach football. He's been coaching this team for a long time now. He's the all-time leader in wins at Ohio University, and he knows what to do. The biggest thing is uh, redshirt junior quarterback Drew Keisel, or Kessel. Not exactly. It's K-E-S-Z-E-I. Kessel. Yeah. Uh, he's going to have some big shoes to fill after the graduation of Nathan Rourke, who was a Canadian quarterback playing American football. Uh, Rourke was really good up until last year. Ohio was the only team to win a bowl game from the Mac in like five years, I think. And they won like two of them. Uh, so a lot of big shoes to fill there. Uh, they all have, they have another dynamic duo in, uh, Oshan Allison, a redshirt sophomore and senior DeMonte Tuggle. Uh, running the ball, and that's really going to be their big bread-and-butter type thing. Their defense is always solid. I don't know what they put in the water down in southeast Ohio, but they always get some big boys on that defensive line. Uh, OU, is you can consider them, they're one of those power five teams that plays in a group of five conference, a small team, or like a smaller school, but they can compete with the big boys every few years. Um, really, I have their only losses to Miami and Central Michigan. Miami is a big rivalry game. They're bringing a lot of people back, and I think they're going to win that game. Central Michigan, they just have, they're going to be too much to handle. They're going to get big wins against uh, Akron and I think Kent. I don't, I, I know, Reese, you said Kent State's quarterback is, might be the best in the league, and I agree with that. I just don't think he can hang on to pl- uh, beat Ohio. Um, yeah. I would agree you, with that. Yeah. UB and Bowling Green are also going to be tough games. I think they're going to be close games. Um, I think UB is going to be a, probably a one or two score game. Um, sorry, I just got a text. Bowling Green, I think it's going to be close until like midway through the third quarter, and then I think Frank Solich's team is going to kind of surge late, and it's going to end up not being as close. Um Really, I'm impressed with what the Ohio Bobcats can do year in, year out, especially playing at their home stadium, which I don't know if you've ever been down there. 
it's almost like a mini version of the horseshoe without the south stands. Uh, my my one real big impact player for them is wide receiver Cameron Odom. He's been with this program for a while now, and he's done a really good job. Uh, he, he's year in, year out, while he's been there, been one of their top receivers, and I am excited to see what he can do this season. So after looking at everything as in terms of, you know, Win loss projections, bowl eligibility. You mentioned how good that Mac or the OU Bobcats are of bringing in good defensive linemen. Uh, do you see that this OU team is going to be based primarily on their defense, or do you see more of an offensive uh, feel coming out of this team? I think it's going to be a big like they're going to try to play with their defense mostly, try to win games that way. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I really like the OU defense. I think they are the strongest defense in the Mid-American Conference this year. Uh, Their offense, I think, has a little way to go after losing a quarterback like Nathan Rourke. Uh, But this is going to be a really good – this is going to be a fun team to watch. And I think a lot of these teams in the MAC this year have a lot of potential. It's just they're going to be running into each other. The more research that I've I've done on all of these teams and the more that I sit here and listen to the research that everybody else has done, there's a lot to look forward to in the MAC this year. Um, it, it, it came as a shock to me that they canceled that the, the MAC season got shut down as early as it did. But it it, it was kind of cool to see how everything is shaped up and it's really good to know that they are back and they're back to do more. Um some more football this year. It just wasn't the same without the Mac in play. And now that we get to see what this team and all these teams are going to be able to do is going to be a lot of fun to watch. So with that, due to um, us working on trying to get Charlie Ryan back in here, we're going to jump over two teams. So the two teams that we were going to intend to get in here really quick uh, were the Miami Redhawks and the university of Toledo Rockets. We will be getting to those in a minute, but we're going to jump to the Central Michigan uh, Chippewas. They are projected to finish first in the West. Uh, Alex, you had the the Chippewas, didn't you? Yes, I did. So, what do you expect out of them this year? Do they are they going to finish first? Well, um, I would have said yes, but that was before I realized that they weren't going to have their quarterback. Uh, so David Moore. So it really it, they named the starter Daniel Richardson, but he's a freshman and he doesn't have any stats. So um, it all comes down. It probably all comes down to how well he plays. But they're still favored to win every game. I don't know if that's factored in yet. But uh, as of now, they're still favored to win every game. Last year they scored 32 points a game. They. In 2017, or it was 2018, they were 1 and 11, and the only victory was against Maine. But then last year, they made it all the way to the MAC championship game, losing to Miami. And then they lost to San Diego State in their bowl game. But um, they're also losing one of their running backs who signed with the Arizona Cardinals. But Kobe Lewis is their main running back. He had 1, 000, over 1,000 yards last year and 12 touchdowns. So with a new quarterback, he'd have to step up still. 
and they're bringing back all three of their top receivers. Um, one had 900 yards, one had 800 yards, and one had 700. That'd be Templeton, Corey Sullivan, and Tyrone Scott. Hey, real quick, Charlie, can you hear us? Doesn't look like it. I was launch looking in the chat. And it seemed that he might be joining or might have been able to get in. Well, anyway, let, let, let's go back to Alex here for a second. So um, a, a, a true freshman quarterback, you said the starting, right? Or was it yeah, just a freshman? Uh, it doesn't say act on the on his bio, but he's a fre- he has never played, so... So I'm imagining it's it's a true freshman quarterback. So yeah. the way that you get rookies or uh, true freshman, you know, quarterbacks taken on, it, it's usually about applying pressure. How do you think this O line is going to be able to handle everything? Well, I feel like they should do a good job, just because. Oh, the run game always opens up the pass game. But at the same time, if you always know that you're going to pass, then you're not going to get the, or that you're not, that you're, if you, if you always know that you're going to run, then your run game isn't going to get open. I feel that that leads to, you're going to have a lot more blitzes than if your running game isn't working. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see how the season progresses. Uh, Mr. Charlie Ryan, can you hear us? Yes, can you hear me? Yeah, uh, you're a little quiet, but I can hear you. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know if I can fix that much. My other headphones are deciding to not work. So, uh, uh, why, try moving that microphone closer to your mouth. Okay, is it better now? You a little it? bit, yeah. Okay. It's all right. It works for what we need to. Um, Alex, do you, do you see this Chippewas team as a bowl team without their starting quarterback and making it be a freshman? Do you see them still as a bowl eligible team? Well, looking at their schedule, they're still favored in all of their games. So I would still see them as a potential bowl eligible team. Hey, Charlie, when you're moving your headset, we're hearing the mic rustle. Sorry about that. No, no, I'm, I mean, I can hear it when you're moving your, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, well, we'll, go, go ahead, Alex. We'll figure it out. Do you have a potential record analysis potential? Okay. Uh, I that working? Go with can you hear me? Okay. Mm-hmm. I was going to go with 6 and 0 oh, because they're favored in all of their matchups. But with a rookie quarterback, that would probably or rookie freshman quarterback, that would probably go with like four and two, maybe three and three. But if he can play really well, then I maybe six and zero. Oh. Yeah, I would agree with that. As we have now lost Zach. <laughs> Boy, our internet service in Bowling Green has not been doing us any favors today. <laughs> no. Um, well, thank you for that research, Alex, and. We are now going to head back over to Charlie. Uh, we had this, we skipped over you until you got back in. 
but you have the Miami Red Hawks projected to be second in the Mid-American Conference East after winning the East last year. Uh, what's going on down at Yeager Stadium? Yeah, I mean, you guys started off like with the first teams talking about these young defenses and these young lines. And I think the best example of that in the MAC right now is this Miami team. I mean, really, all last season, looking at that quarterback, their starting quarterback this season is a sophomore. He started as a freshman last year, led the team to the MAC championship, won the title. And even with the rest of the line, they're all like young players. This team has 17 returning members from last season. Uh, and so they still got the same coaching staff. Everything's up basically the same. And with this, uh, with how they run the ball, I can see that they're probably going to have either the same or quite possibly better, especially with that first game they have. I do not have my schedule pulled up anymore. Um, but I know that first game, they have a pretty easy game. I believe that's against... Um, uh, Ball State. Uh, so that's pretty easy game for them to win with how they have set up that offense, kind of moving that ball pretty quickly, as well as that defense. They've got some really good guys in that backfield. I like to talk about that a lot. Um, I mean, you've got Ivan Pace, who literally broke the NCAA record last season for the most sacks, uh, getting 18 sacks. Um, last season and he I mean it's just you've got this team that can really hold on and just show what power they've got as well as um, I know Reese was talking earlier about uh, a kicker you know they've got a freshman kicker this year that's coming in and that's uh, Dom Dizobin and honestly their kicking wasn't bad last year Uh, he was a little unreliable with their field goals and now you're bringing in a guy who's shown time, uh, a couple times last season that he was able to make 46, 47 year uh, yard field goals. And his percentage is he's only for the four seasons of his high school career. It was 18 out of 20 field goals and 50 for 51 extra points. So you have a very reliable kicker coming in. That's going to hold on and really able to make those deep um, plays as well. And we saw a few times Miami started off pretty slow on the offensive side. In the Bowling Green game, it was within a score at halftime, and then uh, they just kind of turned on the Jets, so to speak, and I think that was another 60-point uh, performance by the Miami Redhawks. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to use a quote that uh, I heard a couple weeks back from Nick Foles. Uh but what he said is you'd rather win ugly than lose pretty. And I think Miami shows that a lot with players of that younger kind of thing. So that they want to start off the game and they're trying to figure out exactly how they want to run the ball. And so especially with a uh, freshman uh, quarterback, it's going to take him a little bit longer to really kind of get the feel for how he wants that rhythm to go. And so by the second half, now they're pumped up. They haven't wasted all their energy basically. And they're able to just kind of come in and then dominate the field. And uh, they can play with some of the best teams in the country. We've seen it. We saw it last year. Uh, But if you go back to two years ago, 
if you would have told me that last year the championship game would have been played between Central Michigan and Miami, I would have told you, you are insane. You might want to get your head checked out. But now we're talking about these two teams who have really just made a complete 180 and potential to maybe go back. We'll talk about our championship uh, picks later, but they have a chance to do really well in the conference. And is that coaching or is that just getting that good of players in? I think it's a mixture because really you have that great coaching, but also I, I really believe that uh, the quarterback Gabbert really kind of is able to really lead that team. Like I said, it's a very young lineup. So they're all basically at the same spot. So Gabbert comes in here and it's like, yeah, I understand. Here's where we're at. Now let's take this and let's move forward. And I think he's able to get out on the field and really kind of help those guys out and really lead through what that needs to be done. And uh, what do you think their overall record will be, Charlie? Uh, I'm going to say that it's probably going to be very close to the same as it was last year with only six games. They start off pretty easy with Ball State. Then they move to Buffalo, um, which is going to be a little bit harder. Like It's like they end and they start like pretty easy games. So I think those middle two are going to give them some trouble. That's Ohio and my and uh, Buffalo. So I th- I'm thinking probably 4-2, uh, possibly 3-3. Three, three. Okay. And before we lose him again, we're going to move on now to the uh, predicted regular season champion in the MAC and the Buffalo Bulls, who really ran the conference for three or four years. Then last year, a bit of a down year for them. They still rolled off a bunch of wins. But, Zach, where are the Buffalo Bulls going to uh, stand this year? Man, Buffalo is is such a fun team to look forward to this year. Eight and five last year, five and three in the conference. So not not the worst record. This that's a record that Akron would kill for last year. But but this is a team that looks the best out of any team that I think in in the MAC East this year. And it, it all starts up front with some of the guys that they're bringing back. To put this to perspective for you, their leading passer, their leading rusher, and their leading receiver all are back this year. Kyle Van Treese last year, he was just something else. All right. Kyle Van Treese threw for 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns, the two interceptions. Matt Myers kind of played a little bit too, but uh, Van Treese was their main guy. He was their leading passer last year. Jarrett Patterson, who was their leading rusher last year, who ran for 19 touchdowns, is back this year. Antonio Nunn caught six touchdowns last year. I mean, you could say that's a little human of of a of a thing to catch six touchdowns. Um, he did so on 49 catches, 687 receiving yards. That's really, really good for a receiver in the MAC. And and you're looking at a, a defense that was pretty disruptive um not allowing much per game allowed or on average under 100 rush yards a game uh forced you to throw the ball so just under 200 passing yards a game but you know this team is disruptive up front um Ladarius Mack was way up there helping this team out. They allowed 21 points a game, 43 total sacks for this Buffalo defense last year. Uh, Malcolm Koontz looked awesome. He's returning for his senior year, nine sacks last year. Uh, As I started to mention, Ladarius Mack opted into the NFL draft. Um, He is now playing on the Bears with his big brother, who, I mean, 
I, I don't know if you heard of this guy, but his name's Khalil Mack. Um, Ladarius Mack and Khalil Mack are on the same football team. Joey Banks led their team in tackles last year. He did end up graduating, but I, I, I got to tell you, th- this Buffalo Bulls team is looking really fun this year. And you say that, what are we looking at record-wise? Or actually, we'll go this way. Your biggest playmaker. You named a few there. Who's the biggest one we're going to see for the Bulls this year on the Sports Center Top 10? I think Jarrett Patterson. You're getting a guy who ran, again, for 19 touchdowns last year from scrimmage. Uh, let me throw this. He had 2,000 scrimmage yards last year. 2,008 scrimmage yards on a 325 plays. His rushing totals, 1,799 rushing yards on 312 attempts, just under 1,800. He averaged almost six yards a carry and scored 19 times. Receiving-wise, 13 carries, 209 yards. He had a touchdown, but he averaged 16 yards a catch. You know, you, you you put a guy like this who averages 2,000 scrimmage yards, you put him in any other division in football. You put that in the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the SEC. This guy's a Heisman candidate. You know, so if I look at it, Jared Patterson is a guy who can go, he can control the clock, and he can make plays. More than Kyle Van Treese, Jared Patterson's the guy I really got to sit out here and say, this is the impact player. This is the guy to look at. This I, he, he could be the Kareem Hunt of this year's Mac. He looks poised for a great year. Um, and, and you look at the this, this schedule for Buffalo, NIU, the Miami Redhawks, at Bowling Green, at home versus the Golden Flashes, at OU, and then at home versus the Zips to, you know, to, to finish it off. They are not only a bowl-eligible team, in my opinion. This is a team that you could see go 4-2, and two, maybe 5-1, and one, maybe 5-1. and one. Any final, thought, or final thoughts on the Buffalo Bulls? Th- this Buffalo Bulls team, there's one game in particular that I'm, I'm circling on the calendar, and that is a game on Saturday, November the 28th, when the Buffalo Bulls have the Kent State Golden Flashes in Buffalo. And we, we talked about like Reese talked about it earlier, just how scary good this Kent state team could be this year. That game, very much of a sleeper. That game could be really, really big. This Buffalo team do not sleep on this team this year. They are projected to win the Mac this year, not just the Mac West. Well, they are projected to win the Mac West, but this team east, is projected or I'm sorry, projected first <laughs> in the East. I'm I'm getting my east and I'm getting my directions mixed up. I see them not only winning the regular season, but this team is winning the MAC this year. Okay, so we talked about every team in three separate uh, three separate streams. Did you guys talk about uh, Toledo already? No, that was also on your channel. Yeah, that was, Ryan. Yeah, that was on your one. We'll go to back to Charlie Ryan and the University of Toledo Rockets. So who were six and six last year, but did not get an invitation to a bowl game. So yeah, I was a little surprised when I saw that they were slated to get second in the Western Division. It's I mean, really for the past two years, may, kind of three, but really the last two seasons, 
they've kind of been on a downward spiral. And like the last, I'll say the last really good season that they had was when they still had uh, Kareem Hunt. That was back in 2016. The next season they went on and they won the MAC championship. But after that, they lost all basically all those players that were in the MAC championship with them and basically had to rebuild the next year. They barely just barely slid by and got a bowl game. That was when they were at the Bahamas bowl and they lost that one and they didn't make it to the MAC. They didn't get anything. And this season, like Seidel said, they had a six and six overall, but only a three and five in the MAC. And so they didn't get that bowl game. And I'm thinking this season's going to be kind of the same. They're not really going to get that bowl game. I think it's going. they're going to be closer. Um, they're definitely at the end of this rebuilding thing, as we've seen with basically a whole new staff. They've got their head coach. Their offensive line coach uh, is new. Their defensive coordinator is new and a new quarterback uh, coach. And so really all you have that's remaining of the coaching staff is your defensive line coach and your head coach. You've got a whole new setup there that you're going to have to deal with now then I so with that, I don't think that they'll be, be able to really come back up and we'll, we won't see the same amount of success, especially especially with the schedule that they have coming forward, uh, which is, you know, that starting game in, uh, against BG, which honestly is going to be a close one between the two of them. But then you go to Western Michigan and Eastern Michigan. And I don't think that they can, ha- they, they, they definitely won't be able to take on Eastern Michigan, maybe a little bit for Western Michigan. But Ball State, that's going to be another toss-up for them. And Northern Illinois and Central, those two are going to be like, they're not going to, I don't think they'll be able to hold on to win those two. Um, But I mean, you can look through and see that they have talent. I just don't think the communication is there. Like you've got a very good uh, wide receiver there in Bryce Mitchell. This is his last season though, uh, that he'll be able to play. And he's really the main target and main weapon that, the offensive line is used so if they can't find a uh, running back or another wide receiver that they can depend on as much as mitchell you know those teams other teams in the conference have already started looking at that and they're prepared to take on how mitchell reacts on the field uh say the defensive line you've got uh the cornerback samuel uh womack and he's really able to to break up a lot of things. And he's, he had 15 pass breakups last season, which is very good. I mean, he's able to take on wide receivers easily, but again, that backfield defense and that front line still are having problems with their communication. And they, I've noticed in a lot of games this past season, they couldn't figure out if they wanted to do zoning or man to man. They really got to start figuring out and learning how to read those offensive lines a little bit nicer uh, to try to get back to where I think a couple years ago they really were. They were dominating the Mac for a couple years, so it seemed. Uh, and so really what they have to do is they've got to just figure out some way to hopefully come back. And I think after this year, they should start be uh, start starting to be on the rise. So like I said, I think they're just about done with doing a nice rebuild of their, uh, of their team. So I, I actually have a quick question. So we talked a little bit about Central Michigan and their starting quarterback suspended for the first five games. Um, they were predicted, and I think they still are predicted to finish first. I don't know how recently this this quarterback thing happened. Um, my question for you is, without the starting quarterback, are the Chippewas still the team to be in the MAC West, or is it Toledo? 
No, it's Chippewas. Because, like I said, I still think that Toledo needs like at least another year, and they should be uh, back up to where they are. But I don't think that they're at the level yet that they need to be to be able to take on and get that to clinch that title. So, what's your overall record for the Toledo Rockets? I'm going to say a high could be 3-3, but I'm thinking it's probably going to be a 2-4. Okay, you heard it here first. The first hot take of the day, the Toledo Rockets, not as good as everyone thinks they are. Of course, (laughs) all of us, uh, we already knew that. We've been known. (laughs) Well, I mean, I've been been following them for seven years, though. Okay, so I kind of like I've seen this kind of trend. So I can tell that that this is that last year. Next year, I think they'll have a very good season. It's just this year they need another year just to kind of get that rebuild going. And especially with the new coaching staff teams are lucky if they get the same um, the same record as they did the year prior. And from there, we'll go on to our week one matchups. We'll start out at Jaeger Stadium between the Ball State Cardinals and the Miami Redhawks. Uh, and this is Alex and Charlie. What are we expecting in this game? Are we expecting a high-scoring game? Are we expecting a close game? You said Ball State in Miami? Oh, Zach. Zach and Charlie. That was my that would be Reese and Charlie. Good choice. <laughs> you were close. You were close. You're one out of three. Uh, Your math isn't the worst. Uh I think there's gonna be a lot of points put up in this game. We know Miami can score points, and Ball State has two of the top offensive players in the in the league. I think there's gonna be a lot of points put up. I think it might be closer than you think, but I think Miami's just too much. I, I think it all depends on – so Miami, like we said, is probably going to be slow again at the beginning of the game. So to really be dependent on how much Ball State can get done in that first half and if they can keep that energy in the second half. Uh, what's the final score predictions? First, we'll go to Reese. 45-35, Miami. Okay, Charlie? I was thinking closer to like 50. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> Don't judge me. Wasn't aware Ben Roethlisberger was mucking up for uh, Miami again. Hey, man. Wasn't aware <laughs> Big Ben was suiting up tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say like uh, forty-three, right around forty-three for Ball State. Then fifty okay. to forty-three. That's that's a lot 40. of points. That is a lot of points, but I think that Ball State can take advantage of that first half. They should be able to get very close to that. And then Miami, I, you know, is going to come in there very strong that second half. Two hot takes in a row from our own Charlie Ryan. <laughs> hey, that kind of reminds me of another and he's hot He's known for hot takes. He's known for hot takes. next hot take is that I like the prospects for the <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> nope. This is not that nope. kind of show. Next matchup. <laughs> <laughs> Next matchup, we got the Eastern Michigan Eagles in the Kent State Golden Flashes. So we're staying with Reese, but adding in Zach. So, um, Reese, I'll go first because I'm not going to take too long with this. The, you know, the, the Eastern Michigan Eagles, they're, they're a team to watch this year, but I, I don't see them doing much against this Kent State team. This Kent State team, as Reese has been mentioning, it's kind of flying under a lot of teams' radars. There's a reason why, you know, Eastern Michigan is projected to finish where they are. And it's, it, this is not a knock 
on Eastern Michigan. And Reese is going to be really the expert on both of them because he knows the Eastern Michigan Eagles living near them. And at the same time, he, he did a lot of research on this Kent State team. I don't think that this Eastern Michigan team is at a point where they can really be pushing like, like they'll need to against this Kent State team this year. Um, I, I think that Kent State's going to take this one handily. I mean, I want to say Eastern will stay in the game because I know they'll be competitive, and I think the game will at least be close in the first half. But I think Eastern Michigan, this isn't a reload year. This is more of a re- rebuild year. They've got a new quarterback, a lot of new personnel. Um and they'll play tough under Creighton, but I think I think Kent State in, in the end just has too much talent. I think they'll pull away second half. That's what I'm thinking the same way. And, okay, and, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say score prediction. Yeah, score okay. prediction. We'll go to score. Zach first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're really putting me out here, man. Um, so I you went I first last time, Reese. I, I agree that I think I, I, I do agree that Kent State's gonna go and push out the second half. I think the first half's a lot closer, but I do agree that they're 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 start they're just gonna be finding themselves a little bit. Coach Creighton has done a great job with Eastern Michigan, but it, it's all about, you know, let's build some repertoire with the quarterback and keep going from there. That being said, I give Kent State forty two points in their opener. And on the other side for Eastern Michigan, I'm I'm gonna say probably around like 28, 30 points, somewhere oh. in that range. I think I think it's a close-ish game, but I think Kent State has it. I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say about forty-two to thirty. I'm gonna say forty-five thirty. I'm gonna say forty-five thirty. Okay, for me, um, Kent State's defense last year was not very good, but they have a lot of pieces back, specifically at linebacker. Um, I I really like their front seven. Um. I th- I'm going Kent State 31-13. Okay. From there, we go to InfoCision Stadium in Akron, where the Western Michigan Broncos will come to town. And Alex, we'll start off with you. What are you expecting to see in this game? I expect Western Michigan to put up a lot of offense and for it not to be matched by Akron. <laughs> I, I agree wholeheartedly wholeheartedly with that take. Western Michigan's first-year quarterback was uh, picked to be a preseason all-Mac for a reason. Uh, this is going to be a blowout, and uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be surprised if Akron scores three points. Really? Okay. Okay. I mean, I would have I given them double digits, but... <laughs> <laughs> so Alex, we'll see, at least seven. You're already doing it. Yeah, we're already we're already saying this. Alex, what what's your score prediction? I would go with either thirty-eight seven or thirty-eight six. I'm gonna go uh, thirty-five to six in favor of the Broncos. Funny, you say that you're you're hesitant to give them three, but you give them <laughs> I six. six. I meant three. <laughs> Well, I meant no, you said six. You said six, and I'm calling you, heard you on it. it here, folks. First, folks. Don't do that. Seidel was going to say that, and Akron's going to come out just blazing for like four scores. out right away from the jump. <laughs> there you go. Who was the last quarterback from Akron to make it to the NFL? Charlie Fry? Probably Charlie Fry. Probably Charlie Fry. <laughs> 
I couldn't know. I wouldn't know at the top of my head. Charlie, yeah, I would assume Charlie Fry. I would guess. Uh, I mean, at least last one that played, someone might have gone on like a practice squad or something. Uh, Zach, you're going to fly in this next one solo. You yeah, being at Northern Illinois. <laughs> well, I'll go first. Um, this, this is a game where I think that Buffalo is going to show off what it's got. Um, I, I've already said Buffalo, the only games that I see as being threatening to Buffalo is in terms of just the talent they're going against. I'm looking at the Red Hawks and I'm looking at Kent. Um, I think that the Kent game is going to be more of the, the circle type game, but I, I don't put anything up against this NIU team. Um, this NIU team is not terrible. I'm throwing that out. They are they are not a bad team, not by any means. There there's a reason why this NIU team finished four and four, um, and but at the same time, there's a reason they're projected last in the West, and Buffalo is projected first in the East. Um, I think that this game is not all that close. I like Buffalo. I think Buffalo is going to reassert what they can do. I think Jarrett Patterson and Kyle Van Trees are going to reconnect and. Be like, hey man, I miss seeing you this off season. It's gonna be a, me too, and you're gonna see a, a dangerous Buffalo Bulls offense. Uh, with that, I'm just gonna give my my projections right now. Um, I think that you're gonna see NIU put up probably about no, uh, I'm gonna say probably about 14 to 21 points somewhere in that range. Um, but you're gonna see Buffalo put up 42. Okay, Reese. Where's Central Michigan? What's the uh, name of the town? What happened? What Central Michigan? What? What's the name of the town Central Michigan's in? Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Mount Pleasant. I always get for and some reason. It is not on a mountain. I will tell you that. I always want to say Happy Valley because of the Pleasant. Yeah, and, be, be yeah. Saying, no, Mount Pleasant. The Bobcats make their way up to Mount Pleasant to play the Chippewas. Uh. I'll start off with this one, and then we'll go up to Alex. Um, really, with with Central Michigan's quarterback out, I want to say that the Bobcats are a trap game, but I just can't. I know there's not going to be any fans in attendance, but I think the home field advantage is still going to be there for the chips. Uh, I think OU's going to make it close. I just don't see them getting away through there and making it a making it a very making a chance to get it getting a win getting a win I'll put it out there uh, that being said I'll save my prediction for a second here um, I, I think Central Michigan is going to win a close one against Ohio what about you Alex um I would I would have about this same um, I would say that originally I had Central Michigan to win. I would like to say they're going to win again. So I'd have like 26 to 24 Central Michigan victory just because Ohio was kind of picked high last season and they didn't really live up to expectations and they don't have Nathan Rourke anymore. So I'll say Michigan close or Central Michigan close. I'm going to go with my prediction here. Twenty. 
26-23. I, I didn't know. I'm trying to think. 26-23 in favor of the champs. Yeah, it sounds pretty much right around. I, I think I think that's going to be the closest one. Yeah. And now. The title fight. The premier oh, matchup of the week in the Mid-American Conference. The biggest rivalry being played in the Mid-American Conference t- uh, on Wednesday. Bowling Green travels 30 minutes north to the Glass Bowl to take on the Toledo Rockets. Charlie, I'll let you start us off with this one. Uh, well, I mean, to be able to uh, figure out who's going to win this game, there's some questions that still need to be answered by both teams that you really will see within the first couple minutes of the game. BG really has to come out and show that they've got some form of communication with this new quarterback and that they have more than one target that they can use uh, to make it down the field. And UT on the other side, they have to show that, you know, they again, just like BG, they have more than one target as well and that they're able to move the ball across between each sideline. And it'll really, it'll come down really to that. Uh, I think the defenses are both strong too. So it'll be more of a defensive uh, game just because of how the offenses have played the past two years. It'll co- really come down to the defenses. I, I agree with that statement. I think the biggest question mark for BG is their running defense. They need to get that front seven in to stop the run. But Toledo in the past few years has been a bit more of a passing team. That being said, I think the Bowling Green offense is going to wake up a little bit. It's going to be a close one, but I'm going to give it to the Falcons in probably the closest game of the week. I mean... I, I need to step in here a second um, because the other thing that we that neither of the two of you have said in this little bit of if the, the matchup is what is the health of Andrew Clare? Um, Andrew Clare missed a lot of last season and he's he's healthy for what we know. I know he missed some practice time for some personal issues, but. But the, the, the question is, is that we haven't seen Andrew Clare in quite a while. And I mean, we, we know we have Bryson Denley and, and and you've got a nice tandem right there. And you have Quentin Morris, who neither of you have talked about either, who is not just the one of the best tight ends in the Mac, but in one of the best tight ends in the NCAA. So uh, I, I, I just got to kind of poke this question is, does the health of Andrew Clare play any factor into this game? I don't think so. I think. What? Uh, I don't know. I think something happened to Alex. Um, I think Andrew Clare is healthy. I also think Toledo should be scared of Andrew Clare this week. You mentioned he missed some t- practice because of personal reasons. It was reported that his 25-year-old sister had passed away uh, from COVID-19, and we would all like to send our condolences to he and his family. Um, that There's no better way to say it. It sucks. A lot of people, and I don't want to get political. I'm not getting political here. A lot of people have put out there that this virus is a hoax or it's not as bad as it seems. Try telling that to somebody who lost a close relative. Right that, being, that being said... Andrew Clare is going to p- 
put on a Heisman-worthy performance in this Toledo game. And I think it's all going to be because he's playing for his sister this year. He's not playing for himself. I agree. I agree. Prayers for you and your family, Andrew. The Well, the other thing with, with him is it, when are they going to put him in? Are they going to put him in right starting out? My my th- my concern would be I'd wait until either the, the second quarter, but most likely I'd be waiting till the second half to put him in because, like like you said, he missed a lot of last season, and I think that you kind of want to judge what the what UT is going to bring before you decide. All right, we're going to put him in. The, the the biggest thing with this BG Toledo matchup is what BG team are we going to see last year? Um, I mean. I, again, I did um, an article for BG Falcon Media um, about the the keys to the game for the BG Toledo game, um, and I did it on behalf of the Bowling Green side of the ball. And w- and one of the things that I noted is the winner of the takeaway battle has won this matchup every time for the past I want to say like eight years if I remember correctly. And BG at home was able to not only force takeaways out of this Toledo offense, but at the same time was able to run the ball effectively. So I agree completely that I think Bryson Denley and Andrew Clare are going to be huge pieces to this team. But I think at the same time, you've got to be able to watch the turnovers as well. And I believe they also had, I know they had a blocked punt in that game as well. Mm -hmm. Did they have a blocked extra points as well? I think they blocked two kicks. I don't remember. Was that the one where they got the intercept, basically interception off the punt and took it all the way down, almost all the way down? Was that that game, or am mm. I thinking of the central game? You're at central. central. Yeah, central. Special teams is going to play a more important factor in this game than a lot of people realize, too. That being said, Charlie, score prediction. Um. Like I said, I don't think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. It'll be a close game, but I'm thinking closer to, like, 23 to, like, 19 BG. I see what you did there. (laughs) I see what you did there. I'm going to go around the same for you. It's going to be a 23 to 21 game in favor of the Falcons retaining the battle of I-75. Bold predictions there. Bold predictions. And that'll take us to now that Alex is back. Mac championship, your way too early predictions. We'll just go in order. We'll start with you, Reese, because you're in the top uh, left of the screen. Okay. Um, as far as the East goes, as much as I want to pick Kent State, Kent State, I think they are truly a sleeper. Um, I'm not going to pick them. Um, I'm not going to pick Miami because, contrary to popular opinion, Charlie, they do not have Ben Roethlisberger on the roster. <laughs> um, I think I, I think he's going to do amazing. You just watch. <laughs> you said you the same watch. thing about the Pirates. I'm I got. I got to right be amazing. I, I got to card by luck. <laughs> I gotta go with. Uh, I gotta go with Zach. I gotta go with Buffalo. I I I think they just Jared Patterson. I think could be one of the uh, a very rare early declarey for the NFL draft from the MAC, just based off the numbers he put up last year. If he puts up anything similar, I think he it could possibly be for the draft. Um, I got Buffalo in the East, 
And in the West, I, I the West is wide open to me. I think Ball State could win it. I think Toledo could win it. I think Central could win it. I think Western could win it. Um, I'm going to cross Central off just because I don't know exactly what they're going to get out of their quarterback. I know they have Jim McElwain there, but I, I just don't see it. Um, Western, I, I think they have a shot at it. But I feel like they're just going to be more of like a, just a solid team, a team that's three and three, four and two, will not make it. I'm pr- I'm higher on Toledo than most. Uh, they had kind of a quarterback juggle last year down the stretch. Um, if they can figure out their if they can figure out their uh, their quarterback situation, I feel like they could run the table potentially. But I, I got to go with my other team. I feel like Ball State has a legitimate chance to win that West Division. Um, with Plitt and uh, Huntley in the backfield, um, I feel like that offense is very high-powered. If they can even get slightly – they don't even have to be average on defense. They can be slightly below average. I think they can win that back west considering their schedule. Good. I'm going to go with this, Reese. I'm going to contradict or contradict you a little bit in the east. I think the winner of the Buffalo-Kent State game will represent the MAC East. I would that agree with that. being said – I think Kent State is going to be able to pull that dark horse roll out. They're going to, we're going to see the Kent State Golden Flashes in the MAC Championship game versus another dark horse. So a lot like we saw last year. I like Western Michigan. I know I said they're a middle of the pack team, but like I said, I didn't know Central Michigan was going to be without their number one quarterback when they play the Broncos. And the Broncos defense, I think, is going to be too tough to handle for. Uh, the chips in that big rivalry game. So my prediction is going to be the Kent State Golden Flashes and the Western Michigan Broncos with the Broncos squeaking out in a quick, or easy win. Oh, yeah. Charlie, going, back to, going back to me, I think, I, think Buffalo, uh, I think Buffalo takes down Ball State in the MAC Championship. Okay, now, Charlie, on to you. Uh, yeah, so... I think if we, I'll start in the West. Um, Got to go with Northern Illinois. I'm kidding. No, I would never do that. <laughs> I mean, I did not say they were going to win. I said they would get a wild card. You are misconstruing my words. Instead of wild card. They weren't going to be a bottom three team in the league was a bold prediction. Yes, yes. That, that's oh, very true. Um, no, I think. I don't know. I kind of, I, I, I'm with um, Seidel on Western a little bit, but part of me uh, does think that it could be Eastern a little bit. I think Eastern's going to show up just a little bit more here um, just because I like that def- the defensive side that they have. Um, so I'm thinking possibly Eastern, and I am going to say that Miami goes back to um, – goes back to the championship because you've got this uh run that basically this uh season is a sprint so if you mess up you're you're done so i think miami and i think eastern can show if they can show up in that first game i think they'll be able to kind of hold on to that and use that momentum who wins who wins wins. uh i think miami would win that game so you say Miami versus Eastern and Miami yeah. wins. And Miami wins, yep. Okay, just wanted to clarify that. Yep. yep. Zach Smith, on to you. 
All right, so my east one's pretty easy. This is Buffalo. This, this is Buffalo. And, and you know, anybody who thinks otherwise right now, I kind of don't believe. I, I understand completely, you know, you, you, you've got Miami in there. you got Bowling Green in there. Bowling Green, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. But th- this Buffalo team is legit. There's a reason why every single person that you're talking to says Buffalo is going to win. You know, they're they're the predicted MAC champions to the coaches' poll. I I don't see any reason why Buffalo doesn't have it, and it starts and ends with Jarrett Patterson. Two thousand rush, two thousand complete yards from scrimmage is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and you won't ever see anything like it. You know, even on the professional level, do you know how hard it is to accumulate over 2,000 complete yards from scrimmage? It's tough. So I, I like that. I like what they bring to the table. And on top of that, their sack leader from last year is coming back. You know, Malcolm Kuntz had nine sacks last year. Yeah, you're going to miss Ladarius Mack and what he brought to the table. But, you know, I, I don't see anything wrong with, with Buffalo. Uh, offensively, last year, 21 points allowed per game. Offensively, you scored 31 per game. That's a winning formula right there. This is a team that can get after the quarterback. This is a team that had 43 sacks last year, and this is a team that can get the ball. So I like Buffalo on the east side of the ball. Now, Western, we're all kind of sleeping on one team that nobody else is sleeping on, and that's the Central Michigan Chippewas. Now, I get it. They're without their quarterback. I get that. But this is a team that... From again, from what Alex told us, and from every other portion of it that's been built, and it's 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 started to get ready again. Going back to that coaches poll, you know they were predicted to finish first in the West, and again, I don't know if that was before or after they announced the quarterback debacle going on, but I, I like Central Michigan to pull out and win it, and I I, I don't mean to be a uh, a guy that just sticks with the analytics, but I, I got to kind of just sit here and just wonder it in central Michigan. Oh, you, you, they got NIU take on Western Eastern ball state Toledo. I, I wanted to go with ball state because I like the points that Reese brought up and Reese almost convinced me, but you know, I, it, it's the same thing as betting against the Kansas city chiefs this year. You can't sit there and knock them until you see them play. I'm going to kind of roll the same mentality with Central Michigan until they show to me otherwise that they cannot contend, they cannot be taken out of that number one spot. So I'm saying Central Michigan and Buffalo, and my champion's Buffalo. I think okay. that's fair. Okay. Alex, on to you. All right. Um, in the East, I'd have to go Miami again because they made it, they won it last year. And they still have Gabbard as their quarterback, who I like a lot. I was at that MAC championship game. It was a good game. But um, I, I say Miami just because I like Gabbard a lot. And I think having a quarterback means a lot. And for the West, I was going to go with Central. But since they don't have their quarterback for most of the season, I think that's hard to bet on what a freshman quarterback will do. And looking at Ball State's schedule, it seems like their toughest game is Miami. And I also like their quarterback a lot. So I'll go Miami versus Ball State in the championships. Yes. Who wins? Okay, who you, who you got as the win? 
Uh, I'd go Miami. Back to okay. back. So a few... now I do want to just throw this uh, ahead, out there real quick. Because uh, Alex did bring up a good point about Central Michigan. He said that he doesn't want to bet on Central Michigan because it's a freshman quarterback. But Miami was a freshman quarterback last year, yep. and he took them yeah. all the way. So you can't but sleep on the freshman quarterbacks, technically. It was Blaine Gabbert's brother, though. So, I mean, yeah, we see how good he's done. Yeah, and I, I, would, <laughs> I would say the Miami roster last year uh, is better than Central this year. And my, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think Gabbert just had more around him last year. Right, but you can't, you can't just you're base okay. it off. You, I see, I see yeah. the point you're making. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so we'll move on. We'll move on now. Final segment, and then we'll get out of here, barring any more technical issues. Hot takes. Anyone got one more hot take? <sighs> Northern Illinois will be the worst team in the match. <laughs> Northern <laughs> Illinois will be the worst team in the MAC and will be the only winless team in the MAC. Ooh. No, I don't think they'll go winless. I, I, so I just don't. I don't I, look at their schedule. I don't see any wins, and I think Akron finds a way to beat someone. Just a sneak up game, like maybe a late season game. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I just have a feeling Akron's gonna get gonna get one this year. Okay. I want to throw one. I want to throw one. Just one. The Bowling Green Falcons go three and three. I think <laughs> that. I like that. I like that prediction, actually. So here's the thing. And, and I know you're going to sit here and argue, but they're, they're supposed to finish fifth in the MAC this year. They're not going to be the worst, but they're not going to be any higher than five. That being said, this Bowling Green team went two and six in conference last year. And I get that it's a condensed schedule, but. They definitely beat Akron. I definitely think that this Toledo game sets the tone for the year. But look for this Bowling Green team to take advantage of one of these games at home. Kent State, Buffalo, and Miami. Now, Miami and Buffalo have been the two teams that we've talked about a ton. And Reese, you mentioned a dark horse out of Kent State. But, you know, this this Bowling Green team last year at home went 3-3. and they went three and three. I think that that three and three record reflects this year. And I think that you win at least one of those three games at home. And if I had to throw one at you, I think it's the Miami game. I think this Bowling Green team goes three and three. I think this Bowling Green team goes three and three this year. Okay. I'll echo your lines on that. I Bowling Green will be second in the Mac East. Oh, that's bold. That's spicy. And only because take, dude. they are going to beat the Buffalo Bulls at home. No. Oh, oh my boy. goodness. No. That's that's more that's hot an than over there. Dude, that's more hot that's than Charlie's more. Pirates take, and that's saying something. Yeah, yeah. I'm like titled. Okay. No. I, I'm a I'm a, I'm a bold green fan too. I go to the university, yeah. but no, Unless dude. Jared Patterson is uh, physically incapable of moving. I, I, I don't <laughs> let, let, let me rephrase this. Let me rephrase this, all right? Bowling Green is getting there. Coach Leffler is establishing a culture. As I said earlier, the head coaching position is a very, very important position because it comes down to the culture and the tone you set. That being said, 
not only do we not know a lot about this team and Matt McDonald, but at the same time, this is a team that has gone public saying that we are going to get our freshmen involved. Now, it's going to be awesome to see what this team can do. It's going to be awesome to see what Bowling Green is able to bring to the table this year. That being said, it's going to be tough for them to really push and get up there in the MAC East, especially in a division where you've got the Red Hawks, Kent State, and Buffalo. And that's that's even shortchanging OU. Now, I, I like this. I like three and three for this VG team. I think three and three is very much so a you can hit this. But second in the MAC East, who who do you think is going to be up top the MAC East? Buffalo, Kent State. Yeah. So Kent you State think so, <laughs> you think Buffalo is going to finish lower than? So yeah. So you think that Buffalo is going to be third? I think that I think Bowling Green is going to be a big trap game for the Bulls, and I think that Kent State is going to give the Bulls all they can. Mm-hmm. So my prediction, my prediction is Bowling Green two, Kent one, Buffalo three. Kent State is going to <laughs> Kent State is going to win out in the MAC East. Wait, like Bowling undefeated, Green, undefeated in the MAC East. No. <laughs> What <laughs> hot dude? One set one. Have let, you let me finish. State schedule. Yes, I have. Next up is uh, Northern <laughs> Illinois is going to run the table in the Mac West. Penn <laughs> <laughs> State is going to win. Is going to go undefeated in the Mac East. <laughs> Bowling Green is going to finish second, and that's only because Buffalo is going to have two losses to Kent State. And Bowling Green. So are you can saying you Bowling Green's only going to have please. one loss? Can I can I ask you to repeat something? What no, he's saying two. What's Bowling Green's final record in your eyes? Yeah. <laughs> what this one's gonna, <laughs> if, if do you, you do you want my hot take record? Do you want my hot take record, or do you want my? I want the hot take. Um, I want yeah, the hot take. Hot take record. You say Kent State's going six and zero to win. What no, five, five and zero. Oh. They're running the table in the match East. Oh okay. yeah, because they play. Okay. Okay. Okay, you you clarified what are you saying bowling? What are you saying for bowling green? Yeah, what? What are you going with? Five and one. Who do they lose to? Who do they lose to? Yeah, yeah. Who are, they, who are we losing? Kent to? State. Oh my okay. goodness! No, we're gonna be Ohio, Miami, and Buffalo. No, I'm hoping be for one of those games. I, I, we're the Miami. We're the Miami of 2020. Oh, it's, it's 2020. Anything can happen. Yeah, I understand that, but oh, Charlie. Okay, I'm well, done. So Charlie, my take is more of Charlie. like a mild, hot, mild take. I was just gonna say that I think that the the uh, division's gonna be decided by the freshmen this year. I think really it comes down to the endurance and I feel like with a game load of only six games people are probably going to get injured more because these players are like we only have these six games we have to win they're going to be more aggressive out on the field and you're going to see these freshmen and sophomores appear much more on the field for these teams it's going to basically be decided by these freshmen and I got one last time I will go with a six and zero Ohio Bobcats. Ooh, Ooh. 
Okay, that, that's almost worse than mine. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so we can't even think that his is worse because we're still recovering from yours. <laughs> I did one BG prediction. <laughs> Alex, why do you say I six can and say, I you? Can... Why do you say uh, six and their schedule, They're favored in every game. Except, well, the, the Buffalo and Miami game is only favored by like 2%, but they're still favored. And the only game they're not favored in is the opener against Central Michigan, who doesn't have their starting quarterback. So I think it's sort of possible they could go six and zero. They they were okay. overrated last year, but then they did win their bowl game. So I don't know, six and Ohio. Okay, here's my hot take: okay. Central Michigan has a losing record. Ooh. Okay. I'm looking at the schedule. Okay, hear, hear me out. Okay. They're gonna be they're gonna be this year's Toledo. Toledo obviously was uh, like a, a preseason favorite last year. All right, look at their schedule. First game, uh, Ohio at home, uh, but uh, no fans in attendance besides um, family members. So in the uh, marking one ten. Yeah, I, I think I think Ohio goes in and beats them right away, and I think that kind of sets the tempo. They play Northern Illinois. They'll beat Northern Illinois. They play Western. I think Western. That's a very. That's a toss up. I think Western gets them. Um, I think they beat Eastern Michigan, and then that Ball State game is the fifth game of the year. That's another toss up. I think Ball State wins big. I think they win big. That's my prediction that game. And then Toledo last game of the year. I think two and three. They're going to be kind of out of it. And I think they. I think they go two and four. Okay. Okay. Any final hot takes? No. Right, Nothing. No? just prepping for that 6-0 Eastern Michigan. <laughs> 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 never say that. You no. see him lining up for it. He's thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like I said, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a season of endurance, and I think they have the best shot of really kind of being able to hold on there. I don't know. You got to look out for those 5-1 and one Falcons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know, how, uh, yeah, I, I don't know man. What? I'm sorry. I'm feeling my inner Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, you're not screaming yet. Not yet. <laughs> Blasphemy. Um, so if that's gonna do it for us, thanks to my co-host Zach Smith, as well as Reese Lannon, Charlie Ryan, and Alex Rally for joining us tonight. Uh, this has been a production of the Smith and Seidel Show in association with the Bowling Green Radio Sports Organization and BG Falcon Media. Our intro and outro music is by Bobby Quinn Creative Music Production. He is highly recommended by the Smith and Seidel Show. You can find him on Fiverr.com by searching Bobby Quinn C. We'd also like to thank Dylan Hunter, a student at Bowling Green State University that created the Smith and Seidel logo. And thank you all for tuning in and bearing with us through our many, many technical issues. Um, any final thoughts from anyone before uh, one last chance? Well, I'm going to throw something out there. If you liked what you heard and want us to do more of these uh, live streams, do let us know. Do find us on Twitter. Uh, if you look up at where Jacob Seidel is right now, Jacob, wave your hand just so people clarify. His tag right there, Smith and Seidel, is how you can find us on Twitter as well as on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Anywhere that you want to find anything for us, that's where you got to look and look it up there. So any updates or anything like that, go there. If you have any criticism or anything like that, throw it in there too. 
Uh, what's your hot take? Who's going to win the Mac? Who is your favorite to win the Mac? What's what? What are you thinking? Let us know. Let us know how we did. Uh, again, uh, new episodes of our podcast drop every Wednesday morning. Uh, so do follow along with that. Jacob and I give our predictions for the week as long as well as have a little bit of fun. And again, more live streams will probably be in the future. Um, I'm sure you'll see some of our smiling faces yet again here soon. Thank you again for tuning in. Um, I, if my numbers were correct, we had right around 200 total people tune in on these three streams between all the difficulties. So thank you for coming out and please do uh, follow along for more Smith and Seidel action. Well, that's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you for doing this. Uh, we'll let you know if we do another football one. We're definitely going to do it for basketball. And we might pull out a WCHA one when college hockey season starts up, which is just around the corner. For Reese Lynn and Charlie Ryan, Zach Smith, and Alex Rowley, I am Jacob Seidel signing off and reminding you to stay safe, stay healthy, and I Ziggy Zumba. <laughs> <laughs>